Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we assemble to explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our sixth season, we are looking at The Avengers. I'm Andy Nelson from the True Story FM Entertainment Podcast Network. And I'm Pete Wright, still aspiring to be an original sword boy. (laughs) That's right. Uh, Today we're talking about Minute 67, which begins with lying and killing and ends with figuring it out. Back on the show is the sword boy himself, Robin Burge. Hello, Robin. (laughs) Uh, There usually could be only one, but I am one of three. Uh, Three sword children. Sword man. Sword sword boy. Sword children. Uh, Thanks for having me. Uh, We're thrilled thrilled to have you talking about this scene. And I'm curious. Let's, Let's start off. Minute 67. This is uh, Natasha talking to Loki in his cell, and we're coming in midway through kind of a montage of various uh, things happening around the helicarrier as we're seeing different people figuring things out. What is it that drew you to this particular minute? Well, as an 80s movies fan, I am am a fan of the montage for sure, (laughs) but uh, again... Like all all the other minutes I've taken, I was like, I cannot believe somebody has not grabbed this minute yet, uh, which includes one of the most shocking lines in Marvel history so far, I guess, maybe since. I don't even know. (laughs) But uh, I was like, whoa, when that line comes up, uh, it's uh, pretty, pretty crazy. It's a doozy. It's (laughs) It's a doozy. Yeah. Well, and I'm, but I'm assuming that the reason specifically, I don't think it's the line. It's more that that moment there, right? As yeah, far as yeah, kind of exactly. Natasha. No, I was like Loki really got her. I love, <laughs> I love when a man gets one over on a woman. Does uh, he? Well, <laughs> yeah, it makes this minute um, more on the nose for criticism toward the director writer uh, uh, itself. This is this is like this is the one. This is the mm-hmm. one that it's like oh. Yeah, no wonder you're the guy who put that on paper for this guy mm-hmm. to say. It's not great. As a character moment, uh, it's great because she turns it so quickly and it it proves just what we've already known about Natasha, that she's great at, at playing the part as a spy. And here she's dressed in all of the uh, all of the accoutrements of her spy work, and she's still able to pull one over on Loki. And I think that's really, really great. Um, so, uh, you know, that's, that I think is, is powerful. Well, now, okay, now here's a question and, and we'll come back to kind of some of the stuff we're seeing in the montage. Uh, but since we're talking about Natasha in this particular moment, let's focus on this. It, we're coming into this and, and, you know, she, she plays it where, you know, this whole conversation is trying to figure out what is Loki going to do with, with Barton when uh, when all of this is over, because she wants to make sure that he's OK. And he really kind of digs in deep with kind of the the horrors and atrocities he will do to him in a way to kind of break her spirit. And she gets the teary eyes again. You're a monster, turns away and starts walking away. And then, of course, um, that's when Loki says, oh, no, you've brought the monster. And that's the moment when Natasha reveals, oh, she's been playing him all along to figure out exactly what his play was. And that's how she pulled out that it was, in fact, Banner. This is the third time that she has done this in the film so far. 
it works. It it very much works um, in this particular scene. But does it feel like we're just like using this as this tool with Natasha too much now? It's so effectively done by her. I the the acting like she really saw that close up of her teary face. Like if you're watching it for the first time, you're convinced. Oh man, yeah. he really got to her. It's and so honestly, this is the scariest that Loki maybe will ever be. This this whole speech, like. Not only is he going to kill Barton, but he's going to manipulate him. Like you can picture in his head, in your head, what's going to happen here. Uh, he's going to make Clint kill Natasha, and it, it also it's like in ev- slowly, intimately, in every way he knows you fear. Like what way would Natasha actually fear dying from? Is is where my imagination goes. Like oh man, like she's pretty experienced uh, assassin. How would she not want to be killed? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I guess maybe everybody worries about dying embarrassingly. Uh, <laughs> so it's going to be something like that. <laughs> Is that her concern? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I electrocuted myself. It's a faulty wire. And the- her big concern is taking a bad step off a high curb and, like, yeah. you know, falling down a storm grate. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the atomic wedgie he's gonna get you with an atomic wedgie yeah (laughs) then i'm gonna split his skull Uh, (laughs) i mean it is brutal for sure i i do though question though i i you know pete to your point yes sure it is a tool that she has it's something that she uses effectively but i also feel like okay we've seen her do this several times isn't there something else you could have come up with for her to kind of figure some things out and that's the thing uh, you know I mean to your point this is probably the most effective that we've actually had this done of the times that we've seen it in the film it works really well I just you know wish that especially coming from this writer director you know that they had found a different way to to kind of find us into this or do something earlier that was a little different you know something to kind of give us a little different of play that's that's my issue with it well and the fact that this scene so deeply demonstrates his mental model of men and women and and that it just comes so naturally on the page and on the screen and hindsight is what it is it's a it's a dramatic moment in a dramatic scene and it's solid dialogue and it's just also gross and those things can exist at the same time as a huge Buffy and Angel fan going into this and Firefly and Dollhouse and all that. Of course. Uh, uh, going into this movie going, oh, my God, they're giving this guy that I have watched all of his stuff, love all of his stuff, podcasted about all his stuff. They're giving this guy the keys to the big Avengers movie. And uh, this- did none of them see Dollhouse at all? <laughs> like anyone right, watched we'll, we'll, Dollhouse we'll, before they did this? We'll, 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 <laughs> Dollhouse had its moments, uh, <laughs> but but it's it's it seems like especially where where he uses Black Widow, uh, where I'm most reminded of the, what he's done with the female char- characters on his show. Like, yeah. This is very like Buffy. This is uh, this is Faith. Uh, you know the the badass, uh, the the scared damsel in the alley, of, and that turns the the tide. Uh, I. He, this this just the strength of his, you know. Well, and perhaps also ends up being kind of the uh, marker of the problems with the director and the way that uh, that he can't seem to write a strong female character without having to go that route. 
at the same time, you know? Yeah. Oh, we all only have so many ideas, I suppose. (laughs) 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 He's not as creative as everybody. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) In in the world of spies, like it's just, and this, I I suppose boils down to the problems that people have with, uh, with him and the way that uh, his female characters are written. It's like in the world of spies, it's like, this is the tool that Natasha has. Whereas, James Bond has plenty of tools that he is using that don't uh, involve uh, having to break down uh, in emotionally, you know, and and it it ends up feeling like he's writing it to the view of how he sees women. And I suppose that's kind of the issue and gives them the strength, but still breaks them down uh, in a way. And, And so it ends up being kind of frustrating, but. Uh, but it does play for a very creepy scene, and that is, is the strength of it. Well, and where do you guys stand on the specific use of language, right? What he, he the insult that he calls her is in the to my UK friends incredibly insulting and wildly out of place in a Marvel movie. Well, and something that they can only get away with in in our country or in the U.S. as far as the release here because it's such a such a non-us expression that yes. it becomes right uh like the mpaa i would just imagine that they're just like well that sounded pretty bad but yeah. you know they probably didn't put even a know british it. accent on it it's fine yeah <laughs> yeah 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 sounds evil yeah but it, they didn't say the f word i'm sorry Pete. what were you saying <laughs> no, no no i mean i was i was asking and it, you know i was just asking where where you stand on getting away with this kind of language like um you know i it it, it once you sort of realize what they're referring to and how derogatory it is to many continents of viewers on the planet uh, i'm i'm curious what you think it feels like such a british expression and i don't i mean it's not something i had probably even heard before this film but when it comes out of tom hiddleston's mouth and he's saying something like this is like did is that something that as somebody from the UK had kind of like, oh, this is this is a terrible expression to throw out? Like, is it something that came from one of the Brits who were on set? Or is it something that the writer director had heard on a trip over there or something? Like, how did how did the term come to him to throw in here? Because it does end up feeling natural coming out of Tom Hiddleston's mouth because he is British and it just kind of has that British feel to it. But uh, like, I, yeah, it's just one of those things. Like, why is this something that Loki would be saying? You know, it just it it ends up seeming I, so specific to its region. Yeah, I I think I have at least my I, I it may may not be an actual answer, but Joss Whedon uh, is a huge Shakespeare fan. Uh, as a matter of fact, mm-hmm. made made a movie much ado about nothing. That's right. I was like, uh, um. And also Thor in the comics has been called like, you know, somebody who speaks Shakespearean, like he has that Shakespearean language. And honestly, looking up the word muling, at least, I found a reference to Shakespeare using it in As You Like It in the uh, All the World's a Stage speech. Uh, An infant muling and puking in the nurse's arms is, is where, I mean, that's an early reference. So I'm assuming... Like all the world's a stage is probably as a Shakespeare uh, fan uh, is probably a, a speech that Joss Whedon <laughs> knows pretty well. I I mm-hmm. remember you know researching about him when podcasting about his stuff that 
you know, he used to have his actors over his house on weekends. And well, well f- f- thinking about that and <laughs> after the allegations, it's just like, Ugh. but he would have, they would, they would just do like Shakespeare read throughs. They, they play act. And that's how they ended up making the much ado about nothing movie. So I'm thinking it's a combination of that Thor language that is established in the comics and always in that, that old English font, right? <laughs> And yeah, right, Joss right. Whedon's just Shakespearean sensibilities, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. You can, oh, I could pull a good one out here, but make it sound elegant enough to pass the censors. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. They, they're they playing that game, yeah. But but it's actually even, I, I think it's interesting because I don't think, I think it's, it's not quite believable that U.S. censors, that the MPAA would uh, truly understand the vulgarity of the term in the many parts of the world. But even if they did, they do get one use of the harsher sexual connotation language, right, in, in these movies. So it could have been their bad word. Yeah. Well, there are certain levels of the bad word. And I, I like, like you know, putting an alternate, more American use of the word in, I think, would give it an R rating right away. Yeah, I do, too. I do, too. I think you're right. That's a good point. So... Yeah, it's it's really just shocking that it's in here. And it's um, uh, I don't know, it just it surprises me every time as fantastic as as Tom Hiddleston is delivering the line. And it it feels like something I, I mean, I I guess I, it feels like something Loki would say, but maybe that's just because Tom Hiddleston plays Loki so well. Um, but it just feels so uh, malicious and uh, dark a thing to say. And it just it ends up feeling like this is very much the director's view really coming through. And this is kind of the the shining moment, as has already been said in this minute, that uh, his opinions are, are really um, apparent here more than any other point of the film. I know I love it because it's a it's it's such like a dark, uh, you know, and you'd see in the montage things are getting darker around them like things are kind of falling apart teams kind of falling apart a little bit uh and it's just darker darker descriptions of the brutal things he's going to do and then like and then you see her reaction to it and it looks like she's really scared and he's going to capitalize on it and and he's going to really make his point with an awful awful slur uh (laughs) and uh so and and then Boom, we're, we're going to pull the carpet out underneath. I think it's a good kind of build up and then whew, like, oh, it, she's been playing him the entire time. It it makes it even better that he's so domineering and evil in this scene and 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 how well it works what she does next, you know. Well, that's I I suppose the way you want to build a scene like this. You want it to build to that point where it really feels like he has all the cards and he is just you know, like really coming down on her only to have the the tables turned so so clearly at that particular moment. And I guess I guess to that end it's really lucky that he mentioned the monster at all because otherwise like that was really the only clue and it's just it's just by happenstance that he happens to say something, you know. Looking at the Google Ngram viewer for that particular word, and it's like in 2012, the use of that word went up 900 <laughs> percent. Oh, dear. So I think people know what it means now. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> it's Star-Lord's last name, right? Right. No. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Oh, dear. Oh. 
So anyhow, let's go back to the montage a little bit. I want to just chat through some of this stuff. So we see Tony and Bruce kind of, uh, I don't know, it looks like Tony's hacking into S.H.I.E.L.D.'s info. We see the like a warning pop up and he swipes it away. We see Maria and Fury get the notice that there's a virus detected and unauthorized access. Uh, I'm curious about it saying virus detected, unauthorized access, I get. Um, And then Steve finds some hydro weaponry in a crate. And so all of this is going, uh, we're we're seeing all of this while we're hearing Loki talk about you lie and kill in the service of liars and killers. You you tend to be separate to have your own code, something that makes up for the horrors, but they're part of you and they'll never go away. So I like that we're kind of getting this sense of the darker elements going on within this team that is struggling to find its footing and struggling to kind of find its cohesion as as we're seeing more and more secrets and more and more uh, kind of moments where they're not working together. What I mean, how does all this work for you? Do you like the way that we're seeing all these moments? Does it play with these characters? It definitely makes it more interesting. It'd be it'd be it'd be rougher. It, it, it'd be too easy if they were all like, OK, we're all buddies now <laughs> and we all trust each other. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it, it plays across, uh, you know, Captain America's uh, uh future movies as well yeah right so again as loki is trying to uh break up the band by you know saying that you're you're just as bad as me basically or you're you're working you're working for a lot for liars and killers too (laughs) so right yeah it's just degrees Right. I mean, that's that's um, I mean, we you know, we're over on the next reel currently talking about the John Wick series. And it's this whole idea of different levels of being a hitman. We like John Wick. He's a hitman and he's killing all these people, but they're much worse than him. You know, (laughs) so it's like the same thing here. It's like every single one of them. Shield is painted as this very helpful organization, but they are this covert government organization that's sending people in to kill people. And I mean, you know, they have these dark missions that we will kind of see and have allusions to and everything. And it's, it, there is this sense that they are working for the side of the good, but it's not, there's definitely shades and we're seeing that here. Mm -hmm. Tony definitely doesn't, doesn't uh, trust them you know, right off the bat, that's why he's, he put that little device and that's why he's trying to hack into the place with Bruce. Just the fact that it's like, he's a guy that, uh, would want all the information and be very frustrated that he is not getting all the information. And then of course, Steve has his own suspicions and boy, that chest opening that chest after what he went through in first Avenger, just to be like, Oh, this again, <laughs> <laughs> really? That's why you want the Tesseract, huh? They're going to power all these weapons again. Great. Um, and the weapons that are literally stamped with the, the Hydra logo, <laughs> just like, oh my God, you know? And, and it's kind of it's kind of interesting how uh, that even plays into uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as well and Winter Soldier. But, you know, like, <laughs> we'll get into that. Yeah. I mean, we talked about that back when... Fury was trying to recruit Steve at the boxing ring to come and join. Steve is the one person who knew what the Tesseract power could do. Why did Fury approach him with a conversation about, you know, creating a whole bunch of power, like the safe energy and all this stuff? It's like Steve is the one person who probably knows there's more to it than that. And, you know, it I it's I don't know. It's one of those moments where I wish in the film they had had a more serious conversation at that point 
about it. Hey, we're not using it as weapons. We're not trying to do that or something just to set this up better. But I, I do think that it's important. I, I think that there's a lot of value to this moment where we're finding this hydro weaponry here. And um, it really is going to be a, a key component of, as you said, so many of the films moving forward because of this whole phase two and what they're trying to do with it and Hydra's involvement. Um, I don't know if I have anything else more specific for this uh, minute. Do either of you have any last thoughts? I have a couple things. No, please. I was looking at the uh, the bridge set of the helicarrier and uh, number one, like... I don't understand why their handles on the sides of the monitors. They they, they <laughs> kind of like they unpack and go real quick. Also, the the keyboard uh, has a joystick, which has got to be great to play video games. I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> you know, the Galaga guy loves it. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It was just a weird detail to me that I noticed that on the uh desk there's a black coffee mug next to a monitor but in front of it is a white binder with a, a coffee mug circle stain on it <laughs> so i just got like oh he probably was told not to not to put his coffee on the classified documents anymore uh but the damage is already done <laughs> that's right that's a nice touch i my problem is when they they close into maria hill looking at the screen it has this giant thing over it says there's a virus right how does anybody do anything with that level of warning across their screen? What are they working on when it's just this alert? Like, there's no interface anymore. Like, they can't. What are they clicking on? What are they typing into? I get very frustrated with the interface design. I don't know. It's 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 definitely a pop up. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I've never had my computer taken over by a giant the words virus infected like that. Like it just it's I it seems I'm just going to call it user hostile. Uh, you heard him, listeners. He is uh, he's looking he's looking to have his uh, computer taken over. I'm, I'm out for it. Yeah. <laughs> Why would you do that? Why would you do that, you troll? That was, challenge accepted. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to those handles, it is interesting because I definitely have noticed those on Furies up at his station where all of his monitors have the little handle there. And the only thing that I've been really, and we haven't talked about it on the show yet, but the only thing that where my brain went is that with the, the monitor, uh, you can adjust the positioning of them. And so my my headspace went to, you can grab that, that handle and kind of move it forward or backwards to kind of tilt the monitor to a, a level that might work better for you. That was the only thing I could come up with. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes more sense. Uh, the the only other question I had, which was very much not important at all, uh, is how cold is the bridge? Because Fury's walking around with this long black leather trench coat constantly, and everybody else seems to have be like fully dressed in an attire. Like, isn't this the, that's basically like an office in the sky? You know, <laughs> is there is there heating? Is it is it really cold? And to to steal a bit from Star Wars Minute, what does Nick Fury's coat smell like? <laughs> Ew. Ew. That's a, it could uh, be like you know tracker noir you know or something you know a really good strong cologne you know he could <laughs> that's right. a good and horrible point <laughs> <laughs> I, whenever i watch superhero movies i'm always i'm always like like look at these clothes these guys are all hanging out in like is that feasible right when's cap stripped down to a t-shirt and just like oh, okay Rank. let's just pull this together and then i'll get dressed 
<laughs> when I was in college, I, I traveled with our um, uh, basketball team for um, for a little while, and when I would do that, I ended up always rooming with our the the guy who played the team mascot, and so the the outfit was in our room. And it was the smelliest thing that I had ever experienced. <laughs> like, it just, I mean, it was like sweat that never got washed out. It was just horrifying. So that's, imagine that's what a lot of their outfits out smell handing. like. Yeah. As far as the, as for the, uh, the temperature, um, you know, we were talking about this a little bit back in uh, the scene when Fury opens up the hole under the prison, under the cell, to show Loki oh, that yeah. he could just drop him out. Because they're up in the sky, and that's, one, going to create a suction problem and start pulling everybody out. But right. that aside, it also is going to cool the ship down incredibly quickly <laughs> to very cold temperatures. And so... To your point, I bet that the temperature still hasn't warmed up here in the in the bridge. I bet it's still freezing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Stop cracking uh, the window, Fury. <laughs> yeah, I know. What are you doing? Everyone's getting it get upset every time he does that. Oh, he's showing off again. Damn it, get your coats. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that whole room is pressurized so it doesn't happen that way. I don't know. Uh, they couldn't walk <laughs> around in it then. Wouldn't that be like painful? Ah, uh, right, right. Hmm. Or they would need breathing apparatus. They would need breathing apparatus. Yeah, yeah, that's not uh, great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, Robin, um, let's wrap up today, minute 67. We'll uh, have you on again later in the season, I think a little closer toward the end of the film, right? Yeah. Looks like minute 123. So uh, definitely getting. Oh, uh, wow. That the, is. Uh, yeah. 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 123, 128. So down toward the end of the film. Okay. So we should should have some fun there. Uh, but let's wrap year. it up. Yeah, toward the end of the year. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> let's wrap it up, though, today. Uh, tell everybody again about your podcast and where they can find you out there. Uh, yeah, the latest Minute by Minute podcast I did was the Karate Kid Minute. Uh, that's on hiatus until Cobra Kai comes back. Uh, I also do a podcast about the CW show uh, Superman and Lois. Uh, I'm assuming we're back at this point talking about season three. If not, I'm sorry. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, uh, of course, uh, I also do a podcast with my friends, Jonathan and Rick talking about, uh, Highlander, Beastmaster, any, any classic movie or even modern movie. I don't even know. As long as it's got a sword in it, the sword boys are going to be there to talk about it. Fantastic. <laughs> We're all sword boys. Uh, all swords all the time. Well, we will have links for that and all of your other shows in the show notes. So check that out, everybody. Remember, if you're not seeing the links in your podcatcher, just go to our website, marvelmovieminute.com, and you'll find everything there. That's it for today. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about Minute 68. So, uh, Pete, thanks as always. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to know, is there like an application process to become a sword boy? <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm looking. <sighs> Uh, Keep it in your scabbard. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sword boy burn. <laughs> Cutting, I know. Until next time, true believers. <laughs> <laughs>
And if your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, please consider doing that for our show.